This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Episode 103, and is it one? It's 103. Uh, some people think I do that on purpose, like it's a shtick or something. But honestly, when you're ripping out episodes like this, Riff, you just you just lose track, eh? You lose track of time. So episode 103, and um, night one of the, like night one of round two too. over. Pardon? It feels like yesterday that we just we're we're you know building all this and and getting you know trying to figure out even how to get an episode out it's just been mind-boggling the last six months it's uh it's been it's been a lot of fun but to think now that we are over a hundred hundred episodes 103 it's uh it's been awesome it's been awesome we've had some great guests we've had some great guests um have you checked the uh have you checked our dms do you ever check the uh, show DMs on Twitter or do you, you, you can, you, yeah, you can get them through the email too. They go directly to our, all the our, time. Our, our, I mean, we got some yesterday that are God, you know what we're going to start doing? We are going to daily. I don't know. I'll let you decide on this, whether it's daily or not, but we'll do a mailbag. I find everybody does a mailbag. Anyone who does any kind of content, you know, podcast or blog or whatever, they do a mailbag. And I mean, we'll call it something else. But we'll do something of the sort because yep. we like we get we get these letters and notes from people all the time, and it's on a so many different topics, and some are personal, some are are you know people are just you know critiquing us and giving us constructive criticism, and some people are just praising us. So it's like it's it's across the board, and some people are shitting on us. It happens. I mean, yep. you know, it comes with the territory, <clears throat> but. Um, Got another, got another great note, but I'm not going to, uh, you know what? Can I read it? Sure. Should yeah. I read it? Fire away. Yeah. No, I, 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 I read, I read all of them. I read all these. I, I enjoy them. And, and, and a lot of times, uh, you know, that both you and I are sending some of these, these notes back and forth because, uh, a lot of them are very good and bad. We send them all like, well, we, no, there there's, there's some that are very, um, uh, uh, have a serious nature to them, a very serious nature, you know, and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there struggling with, um, you know, some with, with depression and anxiety and, and there's others that are dealing with alcoholism and, you know, you, uh, you know, congratulations again on 10 years sober, just a couple days ago. And uh, I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you uh, because, thanks. uh, I'm, I, it's not easy. It's not easy to start and it's not easy to continue to um, fight through that because it is, it is a fight every day. Right. And we've heard a lot of that. Like there's and been a lot of, we've had many people and it, and, and I know it's not going to me. I know the writers um, are not writing me necessarily. They're definitely writing you. Um, but I'm going to tell you, you're uh, you're, you're certainly helping to at least guide people in the right direction. And it's going to be a fight every single day. Well, it's going to be relatable. I mean, uh, yeah. especially on a topic yeah. like that. I mean, I think a lot of people are ashamed of things and it's like, you just, you don't have to be ashamed. You know I mean? If you're trying to fix something, there's no shame. You should be proud of that. Yeah. You know, that you're, you've acknowledged that there's an issue or whatever the case may be. And you're, you're, you're trying to, 
correct things, you know? So, but, so we, we hear a lot and, and to those people that, that reach out on those, we're, we're always here to offer support on, on any topic. And we've heard it from a lot of different areas and a lot of different stories. So thank you for being comfortable with us. But this person writes, this is Robert. And by the way, we have Mike Commodore coming on today and I, I can't wait because there's a lot to get to with him. Uh, Battle of Alberta. He played for Sutter. So I want to know if he has any stories about Sutter, eh? That's my Sutter impression. I what's can't the, wait. To what hear are the what three things that bring him. Albertans together? Uh, church, hockey, sports, and music. Those are the three things that bring Albertans together. So the NHL should be grateful to have this great rivalry right now. I don't know if that was a good impersonation. But anyway, Robert writes us, I'm not going to come on here and praise the hell out of you guys, although he already started with that, didn't he? Although when I first, when I read that opening line, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to oh, well, here we us. go. Here we go. He's not praising us. I'm not going to come on here and praise the hell out of you guys and be all annoying like that. But I will say this is one podcast I have a hard time not looking forward to. You guys help me understand much more of what hockey is like. It's amazing. It's amazing too because you guys played in the league and know what it's like. This isn't this, uh, this isn't some fake podcast. You guys are like two best friends going back and forth at times, and it's very entertaining. With that being said, can you please try to bring Max Finneganoff on uh, an episode? He would be awesome to hear from. Well, Robert, it's funny you should ask. We have reached out to Maximus, <laughs> and his response was. It, it, my English not so good, Petey. <laughs> like that was his text message to me. I'm like, who cares? As long as as long as we can hear your voice. What do you want to hear? I bet five. Huh? Do you remember? Oh my God, Maxi. Oh, yeah. So anyway, so we we will try to get Maxi on, but um, appreciate the note, Robert, and um, yeah, that's that. Yeah, we will uh, we will do our best to get Max. He's. Uh... He's in Mother Russia right now. Uh, I don't think know. many of the Russians are talking <laughs> right right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. You know, without going too far down that path. Um, but uh, night one of the playoffs done. And you know what else we'll talk about today? Um, we'll save it for a little bit at the end after Commodore. I'm going to ask you for five more minutes, Riv, for our Sabres topic because uh, – you know, someone wrote, they're like, listen, we don't need a whole long show about the Sabres. Just throw some Sabre snippets in there on the regular for me, and I'm all set. So I want to ask you what the Sabres are going to do about Tage Thompson and his contract. Do they extend him, or do they wait and see if uh, it's the real deal? And we'll get into that in a little bit. But late one of the playoffs, second round last night, and I know you're hurting today. And I'm not talking from, from any anything other than the fact that your Florida Panthers got pounded four to one and not looking so hot night one yeah um they they have not played their best hockey by any stretch of the imagination um and in the playoffs you can fall asleep very quickly and wake up and the season the series is over and the season's over so i hope they wake up i hope they wake up because they're not playing up to their capabilities from the back end, from the forward line. They need their top players to be their top players. They need them to be game 
game changers. And listen, I mean, they have a lot of they have a lot of firepower in Florida, but firepower in the playoffs right now. You've got to get out of your your comfort zone. You have to get out of your comfort zone. It's got to become you've got to make this 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 a war. I mean, you have to go above and beyond like, you know, listen, I mean, Jonathan Huberto is, is, is world-class player. He had, you know, over a hundred points this year, you know, almost 90 assists. He had a great year, but that 82 game schedule is done. It means zero. It means nothing. This is when the big boys, they elevate their games. Okay. Right now. Have you seen what Florida has done on the power play? Do you have any idea? Like throughout the playoffs or last night? Throughout I know, the playoffs. Okay, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know their, play, their power play statistics. That wasn't one of the series that I was necessarily dialed into because there were so many games on at the same time. Um, so, no, I don't know, but I know last night it wasn't good. Last night it wasn't good. 21 opportunities you want to know what their percentage is so uh, fucking help you out it's zero it's zero pd no way the top freaking offensive powerhouse team in the national hockey league does not has not scored scored a goal on the power play not one wow huberto Barkov, Declare, you know, Sam Reinhardt, Giroux, Ekblad. Zero goals? So when does it... Better figure that shit out. Are they rolling the same uh, guys over and over and over again? That's what I don't understand. Like, how do you fix that? Do you simplify it? Do you change up the personnel? I mean, how, how do you... How do you just let it keep rolling until they figure itself out? Like, what do you... I wasn't a power play guy. I was the guy who killed penalties in practice yeah. against the power play that wasn't even a penalty killer. I was a body. Mm-hmm. It was a target. Okay. Um, how, how do you fix it? Um, I mean, it, th- this, is about, this is about confidence. This is about confidence. You know, when, you, when, you, when you now have pressure on you, because these are, these are elimination games, okay? These are, now you're in a series. Throughout, throughout the regular season, the 82, you just roll through. Some nights you may not score in the power play. Some nights you may have three or four goals in the power play. It just, there's no pressure. Well, now there's pressure. Now you're playing with pressure. And you need to elevate your game. You need to elevate your game. And right now, um, it's concerning. It's very concerning to me with the way that the Florida Panthers have played, because I think in the first round against Washington, I think they stunk the high hell, even though they won four to two. I don't think they played good hockey. And it's, and it's frustrating because I've watched them this year more than I've ever watched them in any year. And they are, they're stacked. They are loaded with talent. They have, they're extremely deep four lines. Their defense core is extremely deep. Um, you know, you know, Bob right now in Nets is 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 playing fantastic. So there's no excuses, but your big boys need to start to step up. You need 
Barkoff to step up. You know, you need the forwards to step up. The defense right now has not been great. They have not been great. And they need to solidify the back end. It's a bad loss for them last night. It's a terrible loss. That's a bad, it's like they bad loss. For high them. hell uh, against the freaking Washington in, in the first series. You're like, how the hell? How the hell is this team losing? They're stacked, but they got to get their shit so much together. for I'll my tell theory. You that. So much for my theory about Toronto wearing down Tampa. Shit, that was well. Listen, I mean, I watched that. I watched the game, and I'm watching Tampa Bay, and I'm watching halfway through the second period. I'm like, Tampa Bay looks slow. They look tired. They look like they're just hanging on. And Florida had the ability. They scored the first goal. They had the, the ability to score three more goals to really like bury Tampa, but they didn't because Vasilevsky, the best goaltender in the world, made the saves and kept them in the game. He just kept them in the game. He gave them a chance. Then all of a sudden, boom, shakalaka, first goal. And then it just, from there, they didn't look back in the third period. It was a chess match. And Tampa Bay played an awesome road game. Colorado got it done against St. Louis game one. I expected that, but I didn't expect it to be such a tight game, to be honest with you. I actually thought Colorado was going to whack St. Louis in game no one. Way. And, no yeah. way. St. Louis is a monster, man. St. Louis is could be the hidden dragon. In these I, I got to be honest with you. They're a team I don't, I, I'm not going to say I don't take them seriously, but I just, I guess when you look around at the firepower on all the other teams, you just don't give them that same credit. I really don't, you know, with the, the, well, it's, it's amazing that you say that. You just said, when you look around to the other teams, you see the firepower. These guys had fucking nine I know they guys have, I, that scored I know. over 20 goals. I, I, I know that. I know that. And I, 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 I guess it's just because you don't think of St. Louis as the sexy team. Like you got the Leafs yes. who have Toronto or, the, or Toronto. Well, they you have, have Matthews, Matthews Mar- and Mitchie Marner. You, yeah, well, when I say these teams, you when know. you have Edmonton, you have, you know, David Dreisaitl. And, you know, and when you look at Colorado, you got McKinnon, yep, Rantanen, exactly. Langeskog. Yeah, you know, even the Cod Rangers. Beat. You know, even the Rangers. You know, you know I mean. You know, Carolina and, was, and St. Louis, I kind of like, you know, put them in the same kind of category, you know, like almost like, well, who's their super, super, superstar? You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. and, it, and it's just not the, not the case. Oh, Vladdy Tarasenko is asking for a trade to start the season. Right? He's like, screw yes. this. This ship is sinking. It's our, meanwhile, <laughs> he goes exactly and scores. Right. He has 34 snipes and uh, 82 yeah. points in 75 games. Exactly. It's exactly where I was. Guys, a monster this year. Yeah. To go after, with after bad, go with after an, a bad injury last year, didn't he have a bad injury last year? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So and I he, guess then you have Robert Thomas, who's a young guy. You had Jordan Cairo, who's a young guy. Jordan Cairo scored twenty seven goals this year and seventy five points. Twenty seven goals and seventy five points. We're sitting here praising, you know, our young guys, but they're not over a point a game. They're not over a point a game. Jordan Cairo had 27 goals this year, 75 points. Thomas had 20 goals, 77 points in 72 games. These guys are like 21 years old, 22 years old. Well, tonight we got some good matchups. I'm excited for tonight's games. That's for sure. Uh, You have, you know, Rangers, Carolina, then you have the Battle of Alberta. 
at uh, 930. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see Battle of Alberta. I, I think that's going to be the series to watch. And I know that sounds obvious because, yeah. you know, like of the history between the two teams. But I actually believe these teams have toughness. They have size. They have physicality. They have scoring. They, I, I just, I see a series that is going, that the, I think the tone's going to try to be set tonight, to be honest with you. And, and you know what? Day, Everybody's picking. Everybody's picking Calgary. Everybody. Well, me and my brother were talking last night, and he's like, you know, and said the same thing that I said yesterday. Wouldn't it be nice to just see Connor McDavid go on a tear and just shred these this series and shred the playoffs and just earn that, not earn it, he's earned it, but just showcase that talent that he has and put put us put to rest the he can't get past the second round, he can't carry a team type conversation because I think it would be I awesome to see. I could absolutely see the Edmonton Oilers get by Calgary and really do something special. And there's not a person on the planet right now that actually thinks that Edmonton can beat Calgary because Calgary is an oiled machine too. They have all the scoring in the world, but they also play exceptionally good defense. Okay? And they have great goaltending in Markstrom. But I can see an upset here. I can see an upset here. You want to know why? Because you have Connor frickin' McDavid, who's the best player in the world, and you have Leon Dreisaitl, who's 1A, 1B. And you know what? Those two go on fire, and this team defends and gets the goaltending. They can beat Calgary. Well, it'll be interesting to see. One man that knows about the Battle of Alberta and knows about what it's like to play in Calgary during the playoffs and go on a playoff run is Mike Commodore, and he joins us next year on After the Whistle. All right, and a man that, uh, you know, Riv, he said to us, he said, I, I, I messaged Mike a long time ago. I said, hey, would you, would you join us on the pod? And he goes, get to real deal status, then I'll consider it. And then, <laughs> so I showed, him, I showed him our numbers, eh? And he's like, all right, all right, now I'll come on. You know I would never say that. <laughs> What's going on? I man? would never. Not much. It's good to see you guys. It's been a while. Pre-COVID? <laughs> Was it pre? Yeah, yeah I guess. It, yeah, yeah, a I couple guess of years. I think so. I, I was just about. To, I should have went through this yesterday. I was going through text with you, Andrew. I think it's been, it's been a while. Anyways, whatever it is, too long. It's funny you talked about going back through text messages, and I got to read you our text messages leading up to the Eichel trade, because okay, because I don't. Hey, so. Do you do you kind of recall everything that went down? Like there was this report on one of the networks somewhere. I don't know which one. So saying that Calgary would made a huge offer. Oh yeah, 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 I remember that. Calgary was supposedly like in in the mix or something like that. Right, right, because yeah. they didn't see a second round potential third round you know playoff run in their future with the team that they had. So why would they not yeah. up for one guy? So. So I texted you 6.30 our time here. Think that Calgary deal is real. Think that Calgary Eichel deal is real? Is that where you're at? Yes. Yeah, I got you. I got okay, you. So, I just found it. Yeah. So do you want to – I'll read mine. You read yours? All right. Language is fine? La ah, fuck yeah, language is fine. Okay. Okay. I said, really? Fuck, it could be. I'm firing it out now, which is referring to just firing it out on Twitter. 
This is a couple years. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is November. This is November third. November third. Yeah. I said I'm not buying it. My response was, "You are my number one source, Andrew. Yay or nay? Gut feeling." I said, "I'm not a source." I said, "Someone put it out there. I think it's still Vegas." In hindsight, very good call. I said, I never named my sources, Andrew. Ha ha. Okay, I'll let it sit. Do you think it's happening soon? I don't want to mislead you, but I don't think Calgary is the place. I think this is negotiating through the media. Fair enough, my man. That works for me. You think it's going down soon or just chatter? Didn't I just ask that? Must have been all excited. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's on TV a bit up here. I said, supposedly there's pressure to get it done by Friday. Okay, fair enough. So options are Vegas. I was, I really wanted this one. So options are Vegas first, maybe Flames, anyone else? I said, no, that's it. So, all right, 50-50. I might as well take a stab at it. Ha ha. I said, what are you going with? Hey, River, are you enjoying I really got into this. River, are you enjoying uh, this? I'm taking this all in. Just two yeah. meatballs trying to uh, break the trade, eh? Well, hey, a lot, I, of, we, a lot we, of knowledge going on. No, are you kidding me? We were right. Are you kidding me? It could have been you. It could have been me. Like, it, like are you, go on. I said, I mean, if the Flames were off to a bad start, I'd go with the Flames. I still think they're a below-average team with really good goalie. <laughs> I guess it comes down to who has assets to give up. I don't know as far as picks, et cetera, who can give it up. I could see Gaudreau at the door here. <laughs> I think I didn't say that. But that's probably just a rental. Shit, I don't know. Does Vegas have assets to give up? Do the Flames, for that matter? Gaudreau has to be gone here unless the Flames stay hot till the deadline. Well, he did stay hot. And they did stay, they stay hot too. (laughs) So that's what makes it. Vegas key pieces would be Tuck, Theodore, plus Krebs, Hag, and a first. I said not all of that, but those are the key pieces. Do the Flames have anything close to that offer? Off the top of my head, I don't think so. And then I wrote what, what, you know, what they wrote said, uh, but that's selling the farm for a herniated disc. Yeah, that's right. And then that's selling the farm. Yeah, that's kind of it, isn't it? That's kind of it. Selling the farm for a herniated disc isn't a good idea. I'd heard, oh, somebody, yeah, I'd heard the Flames were in a few months ago, but were very leery on his neck from what they saw slash heard. And then I got on your program. The more I think, I could definitely see Vegas doing this four years after Cup Finals, and they have four ish guys from original team. They don't give a shit, which I think hurts them. I was at two games last week, and it wasn't full. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was in Vegas right before. I think it hurts them if they aren't winning, but I could see them firing uh, or trading whoever. And then I said, yeah, Vegas is an interesting spot. And then the trade happened the next day. Yeah. So we were right on it, Riff. We were right on it. Bang on. It is interesting. Like, when I was in Vegas there, one of the guy I was playing a member guest golf tournament, the guy's a big hockey fan. And he was like, uh, he actually brought it up. I never thought of it. He's like, man, I don't like what Vegas is doing. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, they come into the league. Everybody loves them. They're in the playoffs, go to the finals, go to the playoffs again. He goes, it's four years later. And there's like three guys on this team from the original team. They've like traded everybody away. 
And I'm like, okay. He goes, honestly, he goes, I think it's hurt with the fans because the people that the fans kind of attach themselves to, not that I think it's like, I mean, they like Riley Smith and Marshall and those guys too, but it's like all these guys are gone and they're like kind of lost their identity a little bit with, with the city, which is interesting. That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. I think the biggest, I think the biggest bomb uh, that they made was, you know, moving Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, I just yeah. St- still I, I I don't understand. Like he was the face, he was the first player chosen. He was the veteran leader of that group. He's the guy who has won multiple Stanley Cups. He's won multiple playoff games, regular season games. Apparently, from what I hear, he is literally one of the greatest locker room guys of all time. He treats everybody with respect whether you have young guys in that dressing room that need to learn visually from seeing what a true leader and star looks like and how you treat people this is the guy you want in your environment and how they went and brought in robin leonard and everybody else is is just completely mind-blowing to me yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we would all agree that Flurry's the first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent, right? And then, and, and I got nothing against Robert Leonard either. Not, I never met the guy. I, I have nothing against him. But you know, you're sitting there looking at it, and it, well, especially even if you don't bring everything you just mentioned, which is obviously everything, but just on the goaltending thing, it's like, wait, you're going to get rid of Flurry, and you're kind of, you, you know, you're. Bri- let's be honest with Robin Leonard. I mean, Robin Leonard is a big dude when you're running around, you know, 260, 270 pounds, whatever he is up and down, up and down, you end up getting hurt a little bit. I mean, I just don't think it makes a whole lot of sense like that. I, and nothing against him when he's hot, he's on fire. I'm not saying he's not a good goalie, but I, like I said, I'm totally with you. Ribs. I don't, I don't also bring that. in, listen, I mean, I, I have nothing wrong with Robin Leonard too. Like he's a great goaltender. He's played very well when he's, when he's been healthy, he's been, he's been really, really good, but you also are bringing in some baggage with him. And I mean, yeah. he's very, very vocal on social media. You, you yeah. listen to what his comments were this year, ripping on the teams because, you know, giving them, you know, whatever his rant was. You remember that Petey? Yeah. I was talking about how some injuries were handled here in Buffalo, um, yeah. you know, and some other things. He's, he's, he's a very vocal guy. I, 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 I admire him. Obviously. I know. I mean, that's, that's an obvious statement. I know you guys too, for, for, you know, the battles that he's overcome, um, you know, but then there's also, you know, you look at just the flat out, the, is the, is the ability still there? The size his injuries. And like you said, vocal about, very critical of of you know things around everything. the league. It's it's he's vocal about everything. He's vocal about topics. He's that a great soundbite, but I mean, oh, NHL teams don't want soundbites in that nature. They want guys like Mark Andre Fleury that are worried about one thing, and that's what's happening in the dressing room and 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 internally being a family where. You know, Robin Leonard, who's a great goaltender, who's fought through a lot of issues in his life. I just don't think that the, um, you know, just speaking. I I think that should happen maybe after when he's done, you know, just worry about your job right now. Worry about your team. That's just my thought. So, yeah, Uh, I hear you with that. Yeah. 
Hey, I'm all for hey, say whatever you want. That's totally fine. But maybe save it for when you're retired. <laughs> well, you know, it's great yeah. for us. It gives us something to talk about too. Yeah. You know, let's yeah. let's be honest, Mike. Uh, when you hopped on, you know, we we weren't recording yet, and you you you're in Alberta, right? Where are you? Are you in Calgary? Calgary. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I I figured as much, but I mean, you said, man, things are crazy over here right now. Tell us what we're uh, expecting, not just from the Battle of Alberta series, but uh, you know, the city in general, because you you went to the finals with that team. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it'll be, you know, I'm say a little apology to my liver right now here for the next two weeks anyways, or however long this series goes minimum. Uh, yeah, everybody's really excited. Uh, you know, the first round, I mean, in Edmonton too, right? When Alberta period. Uh, I know, I mean, I got a, I'm from outside of Edmonton, so I got a bunch of buddies up there that are charged up with the Oilers. Although I do see, think they're a little, I think the general consensus in the province would probably be that Calgary has a better team top to bottom, but you never know. Mike Smith gets hot and Connor McDavid, you, you never know. But um, yeah, everybody's all fired up. I mean, I've been doing a little stuff for the Flames alumni in the first round. So against Dallas, I would say Calgary by and large carried the play. I give full marks that, that obviously the Dallas goalie was Ottinger, whatever was yeah. the statistics were crazy. Um, but, and, and you know, I, I got to give it to Dallas. Hey, they hung in there and they battled hard and they were one. They didn't have the puck much, you, you know, in that game seven, especially in the second half, but you know, Hey, you can lose a game like that. Um, Impressed the hell yeah. out of me that they even went to seven with them. hundred percent. I, I thought it was going to be four. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, these guys are going to get their doors blown off, but they hung in there. So it was good. It was a good series, but uh, yeah, so with some alumni work. So I've been in the building. I was there for game two inside the building. I mean, game two was a little bit of a snoozer. I think it was like two, nothing Dallas. So yeah. it was, it was probably the quietest game. And then I was out in the parking lot actually with a former Buffalo Saber. Uh, Let me Warner. guess. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, Rhett Warren. Yeah, Rhett, yeah. It's a paid appearance, so Rhett will be there. Um, <laughs> he's so a good guy, We're man. out there. Yeah, he's a great dude, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the parking lot was slammed. People are all fired up. They got a game on the big big screen TV. So they're doing that all again. Um, so, yeah, people are – it's been 31 years since there's been a Battle of Alberta. It was 1991 here. Like, wow. basically, for the last 30 years, like, Whenever one team's been good, the other one hasn't, or they're both no good, or so yeah, everybody's all fired up. Uh, I think. Tell it's, me I, about the rivalry between the players, though. Like it just seems that obviously the two teams hate each other. There's the yeah. history there. They're both in Alberta. When you have these two teams, you know, playing against each other for the first time in you said you know thirty, almost thirty years, thirty-one years. Like, do the players understand that? The players feel it throughout the season. Don't, do you think don't today's they? generation of players understand that more importantly? That's a, those are good questions. I think they do. To a, you, know, you know what I think has been really good for the Battle of Alberta over the last handful of years? Matthew Kachuk. I mean, that guy, <laughs> I mean, he irritates everybody. It doesn't matter what team it is. But that guy, like a couple of years ago, when he got into it with Cassian, they had that whole thing. And and I give Matthew Kachuk full credits. I was like, before the game, after he ran Cassian over a couple times, you know, I've never really seen Matthew Kachuk fight. And 
And Zach Cassian can handle himself. He's left-handed. Like, he knows what he's doing for sure. And I'm like, man, I'm like, this Kachuk kid's going to get smoked. And I'm like, there's no way. I, I didn't think he was going to fight him. And full marks to Matthew, he, he did right away. And, and I think that's really, really heated it up in the last, well, like, handful of years. Calgary is so built for this hatred. I mean, they have yeah. an unbelievably tough team. Oh, listen, yeah. Zadorov, who's six four six five two thirty five. You got his defense partner uh, Gabranson, who is uh, yeah. as tough as nails. I mean, Milan Luch. Oh, Luch. Yeah, don't forget about him. Keep yeah, going, Blake Coleman, Trevor Lewis. Like, yeah, guys Tyler like, Toffoli's not afraid. Like he plays great either. Like, and yeah, and you know amazing. what? And he's it's gonna like, be he's tougher because he's got all those other guys. A big time. I was going to say that about Zadarov too. I'll tell you what, it, it helps Zadarov toughness that he looks down the bench and number 17, Milan Lucic is sitting right there for guy, sure. Like good Brants and these guys are as tough as Reeves and Wilson any day, all day. Like it's, yeah. you know, and like, like, do you feel when you look at Calgary, do you feel that they don't get the credit that they deserve? Like, let's just look at this. They have Johnny Goudreau who had 115, you, you said he was washed up and should have been traded, but right. anyway, hey, yeah. like, he, hey man, that advice. was in November, Rib. You said a lot of shit back then too, right? All right, let's not go back, but um, Johnny Goudreau, 40 goals, 115 points. And you usually, you usually have one 100-point guy, but they have two 100-point guys because Matthew Kachuk, who's the most irritating player in the National Hockey League right now, had 42 goals and 104 points. And you look at the next guy, uh, Elias Lindholm, who is up for the Selkie. Up for the Selkie, yep. 42 goals, 82 points. He has a point-of-game guy. And you just look at the team that they have. Uh, it's it's They're built to actually win. I don't think they get enough credit because when you look at what do you need in the playoffs what do you have to have in the playoffs in order to win a stanley cup i mean for me i think you got to have obviously having the big boys is great your, your good draws and stuff like that but for me yep. it's you need to have depth yeah and i think you need to have size or you need to have some toughness you need to have some guys that are willing to play hard because you know we all know it when, when the you know the regular season's one thing and you know there's can wheel around there. Those guys can wheel around a little bit. Not everybody's taking the body. And, you know, it's once the playoffs come, you know, the guys that don't usually take the body are running around, finishing checks. It's a lot more physical game. So you need a team that can handle that. So I, I think you're bang on. I was, like I said, I was dead wrong about this team before the season started. I looked at that roster and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, but you're not the they only were one. Bad last year. No, honestly. I would say the general consensus around town, and I used to do some radio stuff, so I run into those guys a little bit, and they were they were actually dreading the year. They were like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be painful because they're gonna be awful," and I thought they were gonna be like top in, in the bottom five teams of the league, and I was totally wrong. I got to give Daryl Sutter a, a ton of credit, and he's got these guys going hard. They play well as a team. There doesn't really like, you know, obviously Goudreau stands out you know, a little bit, but, you know, you, you put lines one to three out there, you don't really notice a huge, huge difference. And and nothing against the fourth line. That fourth line, some games has been with Luchik and, and Lewis 
and Richie's been in there and they got some different guys going in there. I mean, they've been the best line. They were at least one of the games against Dallas. They were the best line for the, for the Calgary flames. So they play hard too. And then I, I guess the most important part is goaltending in the playoffs also. And Jacob Markstrom, I mean, there's, there's not too many goalies in the league. I think I would take over him. He's been solid all year. Uh, it doesn't seem like anything rattles him. He's, a, I mean, the guy's a massive. He's a bit very tall. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think they've gotten enough. I think there's like a, I mean, they got their work cut out for them. Obviously, everybody does. Colorado looks pretty good, but you never know what's going to happen. St. Louis will give them a battle, and I think the Cal, I think the Flames have about as good a chance as anybody else, for sure. Yeah, tell us about. So, you know so, what? It, it it was the question, and it, you, you nailed all of it. Like, so when I go back to Calgary, who I don't think gets a lot of credit, to be honest, with you. they had an incredible season, absolutely incredible. But in order to win the Stanley Cup, and you know better than anybody, okay, because you did win a Stanley Cup, you have to have certain ingredients in order to win it. Number yeah. one is you have to have game changers. Game yep. changers are guys like Johnny Goudreau, who absolutely roofed a scud missile in overtime to put his team uh, to the next round. Okay. Yep. You have to have game changers. They have those guys. You have to have goaltending. You have Markstrom. He's, had, he's up for the Vesna. I mean, he had an incredible season this year. And he's one of the best goaltenders right now, a top five goaltender in the world right now, playing for Calgary. Mm-hmm. You also need size and physicality in the playoffs. Well, they went out this year and they went out and got guys like Gabranson. They picked up Blake Coleman. They picked up guys to give them a little bit more grind in the set, the, the third and fourth lines. Okay. The other thing that you need, and this is a list that I, I remember reading this list a couple of years ago, all the ingredients you need to win a Stanley cup. You also need pedigree. You need guys that have won the ultimate prize. Well, they have those guys. They brought in Blake Coleman this year. Okay. He yep. won a Stanley Cup with, um, you know, the, the, the Tampa. Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you have Milan Lucic, who's won a Stanley Cup. So they have some guys that can. Trevor Lewis. Trevor Lewis. Trevor Lewis. They have some guys that can talk about that, you know? Yep. And the other thing they need is what they talk about is an elite guy on the back end. Now, do they have that guy is, is um, Rasmus Anderson. That guy is Nola Hannafin. That guy. I'm not sure that they have that elite guy, like a Victor Hedman, Kale McCarr, Roman Yossi, but they're damn good defensemen. They're two of these guys that I just named and Rasmus Anderson and Nola Hannafin had, they were 50 point, defenseman in the league yeah so yeah i i wouldn't call those guys again sorry i cut you off keep going no no i'm done yeah no i agree with you there i I wouldn't put those guys up at that you know your headman and and your you know elite defenseman but they're very serviceable you can put them out in any situation they can skate they can move they can get around and like you said they had good years i mean anderson said some i mean it's nice to have like a power play defense do i think rasmus anderson is yeah, he's he's fine for sure. He can shoot the puck and he moves it all right and everything. Do I think he's like elite level, like kind of a power play guy? I don't think that. But you know what? He's out there. Get the puck to Goodrow. Get the puck to these other guys when he gets the chance to shoot it. Shoot the puck. And like you said, he had an excellent year. So yeah, yeah they look they look really good. What's Sutter like? 
Yeah. So I wasn't like my experience. Like I only played, I was with this organization for two and a half years, but one year was a lockout and I spent time in the minors. And so when it all said and done, long story short, I played 18 games here in the regular season. And then I was, I played 20 games on that playoff run. And when I was here, I, like I was basically like, just happy to be here. And all I was focused on is I'm like, don't be late, play as hard as you can, keep your mouth shut and have a good time. Uh, that was really all I was. So I, I didn't really like pay attention a whole lot to everything that was going on, but he is, Daryl was good to me. I like Daryl. Are there people that hate Daryl Sutter players? Like former player, the guys who've had him before, there's no doubt. But um, there are, he's, there's just no, can he be hard to work for? Yes. From what I've heard. Yes. He likes keeping people like on edge a little bit, so to speak. Like he doesn't like letting people get too comfortable. Like I almost uh, talking to a couple guys on the team. I, I almost, they almost think he's like hard, like he's harder on them when they're winning than when they're losing. Like, cause when he, I think in his mind, he's like, okay, we're winning. We're playing well. I got to stay on these guys where if you're losing, it's almost like he can, he's not backing off, but it's like, okay, I'm going to ease. But when you're winning and playing well, he stays on you. So yeah, I mean, obviously his interviews are funny. I think he's a great guy. I mean, I've had some conversations with him and what you see on TV is him. He's a little bit more personable when it's not in front of a camera, but I give him full I mean, it, it's, it, I think it's, I mean, he's got to be coach of the year. I would think. I thought it was ridiculous when they were bringing him back. Yeah, I wasn't, I agree with you. Well, uh, I thought so, when I looked so at it, I'm I, like, I, how are these guys going to handle him? It's no disrespect to Daryl Sutter. It's like, didn't they just go, he was milking a cow or something. And it's like, hey, you want to come coach the Flames? It's like. Big time. Like Big that. time, yeah. He, 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 unfinished business. They pulled him right off the farm. I don't even think he's. Not even making that. I mean, he just loves Calgary. I think that's a big thing. Where, like, I don't even. I think he's making like two and a half million or something like that. Where? What do you he mean? You say that like it's like was he making that milk and cows and and you know? Well, good no point. Counting eggs? I mean, with, two, with two two Stanley Cups, if he wanted to, he could make a whole lot more money. I'm assuming, but I don't think he needs the cash. But um, yeah, it's he's an interesting dude for sure. But I'm with you, Andrew. Like when they hired him, I was like, oh boy. I'm like, yeah. I can't wait to see how Johnny Gaudreau handled this guy. <laughs> but it's worked out awesome this year, for sure. He looks like he's in unbelievable shape, too, by the way. Yeah. I, like, think, it's, I, think, he, I think he's got farmer strength on him, I would guess. Oh, my God. I just, I, I look at him and I, um, you know, it's interesting that you say, like, some guys just did not get along with him and, and other guys truly loved him and would do anything for him. And, and my thought of going back to all of the different style coaches I had over the year, you had some, you know, some, you know, softer player coaches, and then you had some hard nose coaches, which if you're a softy, you're not going to do well with a guy like Daryl Sutter. I mean, he, he is going to demand a lot from you. He's going to demand you to play the right way. And if you don't play the right way, you're going to have a nightmare with him. Okay. You're not going to cheat the team. You're not going to cheat the system. You're, you're going to do what, what he asks you to do each and every night, because that's the way he's built. He's built on meat and potatoes 
and he allows people to do what they do well, but within, you know, the structure of the team, there's no one bigger than the team, right? Yeah, no, you're right. And one thing to to expand on that a little bit, like with, with your hard nosed coaches, you know what, in my opinion, anyways, like it's one thing to be like, you know, a, a hard nosed coach, but you're hard on like, you know, your five, six defenseman and your third and fourth line. And you kind of let the other guys do what they want like that. To me, that's more of like a bully. Whereas Daryl, like he's just as hard on Johnny Gaudreau. If Johnny Gaudreau isn't playing how Johnny, or he thinks Johnny Gaudreau should play. He's all over. Same thing, you know, down to, for lack of a first name that comes to mind, Milan Lucic. He knows what Milan Lucic can bring. So he's like, he doesn't, at least from, from my was, experience, was there he ever pick favorites. Was there ever anything like in your time? I know you said you were there to just keep your mouth shut. You gave us the reasons, you know, like like what you were there to accomplish. But did he ever lose it on somebody and you were just like, holy shit, I'd hate to be that guy right now? He did like the one thing that, and I won't tell this very good, but like I do remember sitting in the sitting in the room. It wasn't the playoffs. I think it was right before. We had to win a couple games to get in. Like I think we ended up finishing six to, to get in, but. And I, we were down, like, I'm going to get this a little bit wrong. I, I can't even remember who we were playing, but we were down like four, nothing or something like that in the second intermission. We weren't playing great. And anyways, I was just sitting there and Daryl came in. If you ever have Craig Conroy on, get him to tell the story. Cause it is hilarious. But he starts just giving it to Craig and Craig is an emotional dude. You can tell when he gets agitated. And I'm sitting there kind of looking at him and it's just every, I mean, Daryl's just keep coming and coming. I mean, this went on for, I mean, what seemed like five minutes, but it was probably like a solid, like minute and a half, just like giving it to him. And then he was like, what, what, were the body la- what, were the, what was the body language of the boys in the room? Everybody had between the knees or what? Everybody was like, I was, wasn't, I was trying not to make too much eye contact with anybody. And then <laughs> guys were kind of looking around and some guys are looking down. I was like looking at Craig because I didn't even know him very well, but I'm like, man, I think this guy's going to explode. And Daryl would like, like sarcastic too, like, like, like almost call him soft. And, and finally Craig just comes unglued, jumps up, fuck you, Daryl, this and that swings, snaps his stick, kiss my ass, this and that. Like Craig comes unglued for like 30 seconds. And I remember and I look at Daryl and I'm like, oh, where's this going to go now? And Daryl's got his hands on his knees and he's like, he's nodding his head. Then he starts clapping his hands. He's like, that's what I want here. Let's go. And we went yes. flying out. The Craig like went running out of the room and we went out. We ended up winning the game like five, four. I remember we kept, it was like a massive comeback. So he's like, he's very good at, as long as you can take it, you got to be able to take it. If you can't take it, then you're fucked. Yeah, but, but does, does he it, want every guy to be pushed to that brink? I mean, because not everybody has that in him. No, no, hundred percent. I think like is Mike OB. Commodore at Game Twelve for Daryl Sutter going to go fuck you, Daryl? <laughs> oh, I'll end up in the minors. I'll just take it. Right. <laughs> no, he's yeah, he's and that's I think where he can run into some problems. I think he's gotten better over the years at like realizing, hey, like some guys can take that other guys can't right they'll just fold and that's fine there's different personalities um but he's he's very good at like and i think sometimes that can end up you know after over time that maybe maybe it gets a little bit old i don't know but 
he's very good at like finding buttons and pushing buttons and making you uncomfortable. And, and at the end of the day, he just wants the best out of you. But does that sound familiar, Riv? Riv, does that sound familiar at all? <laughs> Holy shit. What? Why are you saying that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, just kind of sounds like Lindy Ruff. <laughs> Lindy Ruff? You know, listen, I mean, Lindy Ruff is going to go down as one of the greatest coach had, coaches ever. He is. And so is truly, Sutter. They sound like they're cut from the same cloth. Yes, they they are. they are. But, you know, listen, I mean, like Lindy Ruff, for an example, we're talking about our time with Lindy Ruff, okay? And, and that was back 10, 15 years ago when Lindy Ruff was a different coach than what he is today. I mean, he was, he was, he was a, a different coach 10 years before I got there. He was nuts. He was aggressive. He was pushed his players to the ultimate brink. Like he wanted, he drove what he wanted out of each guy. But as the, the years have gone by, players have changed. Coaches have changed their ways because you can't, you know, Lindy Ruff can't do what he did back 20 years ago. Okay. Right. He, he would not have a job, but yeah. now Lindy Ruff has, has evolved on how to speak to these new age players because they're, they're completely different than what we were back <clears throat> in the day. I mean, Lindy Ruff is one of the best motivators. Yeah, I agree. Of I, agree. All time. I agree. I wasn't, and, I, and listen, like I, like I was just saying, it sounds like the same kind of coaching yes. method as Lindy Ruff. I mean, it, when we, when and we Lindy was successful, him. the only difference between Sutter and Lindy is honestly, and I, and I say this sarcastically and honestly is two cups, maybe three this year. You know, yeah. and Lindy was right there. Lindy was right there. Could have had them. So it's like it's not like, like they're very, very similar coaches in how in their philosophies and how they sound. Think about how much success Lindy Ruff had over the years playing or coaching a team that had a budget that was half of what everybody else was in the league. I know the team know. was That's like in bankrupt one minute, and then all of a sudden you have uh, Galisano who comes in and buys the team, and literally uh, won't even have fucking bread in the in the dressing room with peanut butter you have to buy your own freaking uh, cytomatrum protein powder it's like i was rivs is bringing in it's the minor. nhl and rivs is bringing in bagels and cream it's a cheese. joke it was an absolute <laughs> fucking embarrassment for, for that is a joke. you know you you want to know why like i mean it, it's like buffalo no one wants to come to buffalo and then all of a sudden once you go to beyond that it's the cheapest goddamn team in the league when I got here. Yeah. It's disgusting. I left before the Pagulas came, the and Pagoulas. I ended up in Jersey. And you know how Lou is. I mean, he had wraps and sandwiches after uh, soups after, yep. you Many know, you, teams. they walked was around. San Jose. Vast. We had a chef. Yeah. A bloody chef in the morning making us breakfast. omelets and everything else after practice. There was, you know, greens, and, and, and you would eat before you would leave. So you had two meals every day in San Jose with a chef. It was yeah, absolutely yeah. insane. And we can't even get, I have to go into Lindy Ruff and ask for bread. Hey, uh, can you, can we get like one loaf of bread and maybe a jar of peanut yeah, butter? The, the team has to chip in to buy it. All right. Let's not, let's not take all our, all our guest time here with you venting about little bullshit like that. Cause I want, I want to love it. I know you do. I know. I know. I can see. You I walk smiling. in. I walk in the very first day. I'm, I see all these jugs of protein powder and Cytomax in everybody's stall, and I'm like, "What? 
why why does everybody have jugs in their stall? And it's like because guys got to pay for their own protein powder and and Cytomax. <laughs> I look at the trainer. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. He goes, oh, yeah, that's got to be a joke. It was in, it was unbelievable. I'm surprised <laughs> we even had coffee in the morning. <laughs> uh, Hey, I, I, I want to go back to, uh, thanks for the rant riff. I like that. I like that. Keeping it real. Now I'm all um, wild up. I want to lose it. Uh, well, <laughs> oh, take, I, you know, cause you know, you brought up Conroy and I want to stay on Sutter too. Cause you guys played in a game seven against Tampa that year. And you know, what's he like before a game seven. And then on top of that, what was the mood of the team? Like when th- that puck went over the line, was it Jelena? Or was it Conroy? It was Jelena. Jelena. So that would have been Jelena would have had if and the argument can be made when you look at it today, the argument can be made that that puck might have went in. I mean, it, it's not. It was definitely worth a review. That would have been Marty's. He would have had the series winner in all four rounds. He had it against Vancouver in Game Seven in overtime. He had it against Detroit in Game Six in overtime here in Calgary. And he scored the winner against San Jose in game six here in the Western Conference Finals. So that would have been four for four. Um, yeah, it was, well, from my perspective, so I think we played 26 games that playoff round, or uh, sorry, that playoff, uh, ser- or playoffs, the 04 playoffs. I didn't play the first three games. And then we had defensemen dropping all over the place. And so I got in on game four against Vancouver. And then I played every game up until game five in Tampa Bay. So game six and seven, game six from where I, so I wasn't around like, I mean, obviously I was around during the day, but then I was, I was up top for the game. I mean, I thought it was, I'm like, man, this thing's over tonight. This is going to be a shit show in here in Calgary. And then obviously what happened with the puck. And then, you know, we kind of just, I went down to the room after and, nobody from what i remember anyways like nobody was really t- it was just like well you know what fuck it let's go we, we got a game seven and before he did seem i mean before games he was always intense he was really intense from what i saw i was in there before like before they went out for warm-ups because we didn't have any seats in tampa in tampa they jammed us in the locker room across the hall with a bunch of gear and we had like a little tv to watch the game that honestly the screen wasn't much bigger than my iPad mini here. And so there was all of us black aces and guys that weren't playing hurt and everything watching the game. Um, yeah, he was, he was like intense, but I wouldn't say he was like, he wasn't any more intense than, than usual from what I noticed though. But at the same time, like I wasn't on the bench and I wasn't in there during the intermission. So yeah, it was, yeah, he's, he's an interesting fella. There's no doubt about that. He, he, he gets the most out of his players. I mean, my one thing that I can, Daryl was always good to me. Like Daryl, Daryl liked me. He, it, I worked hard. I mean, it's, if, if I screwed up, it was usually, I mean, nine times out of 10, it wasn't because of lack of effort. It's just because I screwed up. The only thing I really remember where he kind of like, he gave it to me was we were in San Jose. I can't remember what game it was. It was like game one or two, something like that. And I was going back for a puck that, that got dumped in, should have been icing. And Patrick Marlowe, who can obviously skate way faster than I can. So I'm going back for the puck. He just literally smokes me from behind, like 10 feet from the boards. 
I go flying into the boards at the last second. I like pull up so I don't go head first into the boards and I smash my nose off the dasher. I'm like, oh my God. So I break my nose and I can't see anything. My eyes are watering. No whistle, no penalty. I'm like, oh my God, I got to get to the front of the net. Take away the front of the net. I don't even know where the puck is. <laughs> so I get up, I stumble over to the front of the net. There's nobody really there. I can't really see. The puck kind of goes way up into the high slot and they get a shot. It was like a, I guess you would call it a scoring chance, but there was no screen. Kipper wasn't letting that in. It was it, The guy was like way above the top of the circles. So whistle goes, he freezes the puck. I'm like, oh my God, I'm bleeding all over myself. I can't see anything. I get back to the bench. I like grab a towel. I'm like, God damn it. How was that not a penalty? And Daryl comes down and kind of nudges me. And then so I got like a towel over my face, wiping the blood off my nose. And I turned to him. He's, he goes, Mike. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you going to keep playing like a pussy? I'm like, like a pussy. So I didn't say anything. It's going through my head. I'm like, like a pussy i just got my face smashed in on the dasher but anyways i sat there and i was my heart rate like jumped i'm like i'm like you motherfucker but then i'm like i don't know what you're doing daryl trying to get me fired up i'm like all right you think i'm playing like a pussy let me see if i can play a little bit harder so that was like kind of what he does and i i, I still remember that to this day i was so pissed at it. right at the moment it came out like two seconds later i'm like i know what he's doing but when he first i was like you son of a bitch Pussy. Anyway, I, I think we won the game. Um, I didn't do anything well. Talk about the Buffalo-Carolina series, the year you guys won the Cup. Seven-game series, you know, like from everything from, you know, the back and forth to, you know, our defensemen dropping and, you know, what you guys yeah. were thinking when you heard about Jay McKee not playing in that game seven. You know, I mean, you know, what was, what was going on? Because, you know, I was on we Buffalo. Were, yeah. And that was our hardest series. I thought no disrespect to the Oilers or anybody else. Um, but that was our hardest series. I would say, you know, enough years have gone by now where if you were to ask a few of the guys like, Hey, I, I, I think part of winning a Stanley cup also, you, you have to, you know, all the ingredients we listed there, as far as what do you need on the team? What do you also need? You need some good fortune. I mean, you need to get some bounces. You need to have some luck. And I think Bud, over the course Bud, of that run, you got good fortune. Let him you remember finish. who you played in the second round that year? New Jersey. Is that what it was in New Jersey? All right. Jason, I take it all back. Yeah. Back, we went, back, we go went back Montreal. to Montreal. <laughs> we went Montreal. Montreal. We lost our first two games at home. I'm like, hmm. oh my God. Went on the road and then we won four. Yeah. I know. Do you remember who was out? Yeah. In the next um, four games? Is it Koivu? Oh, yeah. Just Koivu. Yeah, I know. Hey, Justin Williams didn't mean to stick him in the face. That was yeah. an accident. Yeah, it was yeah, it was an eye so injury. Let's call that some good fortune. That's fair. That's very fair. We played New Jersey, who was on a 15-game win streak. They swept the first round and won like their last 10 or 12 games going into the uh, at the end of the regular season. To be honest with you, we kind of handled them pretty good. We beat them in five. We were up three nothing, but we had some good fortune there, like scoring with less than a second left and blah blah blah. And then, Greg, yeah, was that the series? Was that the series when you threw Koivu into the toilet and he tore his back Let up? Him on the... talk. No, Let no, him no. Talk. Is that is that what you were insinuating in there by by bringing that up? Is that the year? Might have been. I'm gonna have to hear this. 
Yeah, it's it's no, it's not, a it's a known story, but we're not, not going to interrupt back, it yet. Man. We'll tell you we'll tell you after. But but, but okay, okay, so so Buffalo, yeah, we. And then Buffalo, I mean, there was tons of, I mean, with all the defensemen that went down, the team was excellent. They had just, and we had a really skilled team in Carolina. I think Buffalo was just as skilled as we were for sure, if not maybe even a little bit more. And and that, to me, that's saying something because we had, we had a lot, especially in the forward position, we had a lot of skill on our team. Um, But yeah, that Buffalo series, I remember just having so much fun. Like, you know, every once in a while, Buffalo gets ripped on because the weather or whatever. And I'm like, every time I went to Buffalo, I had a blast. And even in like the, like when I went to Edmonton, I didn't leave my hotel. I'm like, I ain't, and it wouldn't have mattered just because it was the finals or the, or the Eastern Conference. Like that, that part didn't matter. I'm like, I'm not leaving my room here because I don't know what's going to happen if I go outside. Whereas Buffalo like the fans were into it. I like, couldn't wait to get to Buffalo. Like the weather was nice. I'm like, I couldn't wait to go to Buffalo to go for a walk. They'd have like a massive concert downtown. There'd be people like giving it to me, but like, not like in a, in a malicious manner or anything like the fans loved it. I got involved with them a little bit, like in a totally good way. And yeah, it was, I actually scored a couple goals that series. So that was my only playoff goal. So I remember that Buffalo series fondly, but like, we 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 were very very fortunate. I mean, if 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 you guys are at full strength there, in game seven or for a couple more games, we would it would have been very very dicey. I think would be a good way to put it. Puck over the glass, man. Puck. I know it's such a. Sh- I mean, I loved it in that case. That is such a shitty rule. I felt so Brian Campbell, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I let me ask you this. I was popped and after the game. I'm like, man, that sucks for him and Buffalo. So when you, when you look back, obviously I, I would, I would imagine that you're, you're staying on top of Carolina. You played there, won a Stanley cup there. So you have that, you know, that self-awareness of just watching your old team, but you also played for, for Calgary. You have both of these teams that are, that are um, in the second round of the playoffs is there a team that you would think has the better chance of winning a Stanley cup with what you're seeing, you know, coaching wise, you know, goaltending defense, offense system, everything. Is there a team that you like one over the other? That that's a really good question. That's, I mean, that's splitting. I mean, I guess coaching, I'd have to give it a little bit to Calgary just because Rod, this is fairly new for him, but Rod's been an excellent coach and I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed whatsoever. I don't know. I think that would be, if they played head to head, if they played in the finals, let's say, uh, I don't know who I'd take. I like, I think, I guess top to bottom, I'd say maybe Carolina has a little bit more speed. But I'd give the physical edge of it to Calgary. Goaltending, if the, I mean, you got to give it to Markstrom. I don't know. I, I, I don't even – if it ends up being Carolina-Calgary, I don't know what I'm going to do for the final. I mean, I'm in Calgary. I can't, I can't keep cheering <laughs> for the Flames against my old team. People will be pissed at me in Carolina. If I go the other way, they're going to kick me out of town. Might just have to go on vacation. Yeah, I guess I would probably go. I mean, if you put a gun to hey, my Gretzky head, picked Calgary over the Oilers. So I, I know I saw that. They're like, not happy. You know? They are, they are not happy. That's a great one. I don't know. Game seven. Who would have home ice in that? 
Carolina? Carolina. You know what? I'll just take Carolina just strictly because of the home ice, and it seems like they don't lose there. What, what Are you surprised that uh, Rod the Bod is such a great coach? No. I'm, I'm actually – you know what? I wasn't – I was a little bit – I wouldn't know if surprised. I was just from when he from, – from when I played with him anyways. I wasn't sure, like – and I'm good buddies with Rod. There's like a handful of guys that I keep in touch with pretty tight from, from back in my Carolina days. Rod is one of them. I would say I was a little – not surprised, but he's – I've been around the team just a little bit, like the way he communicates. I think one of the reasons why he's so good is he doesn't ask for anything that that you can't give. He's very good. He's right up front and honest with you. He's going to say, look, I expect this out of you or, you know, you're playing like shit. And he's just very blunt and he's to the point. He's not, he's not making shit up. He's not saying one thing to your face and turning around and doing another thing. Like he's very consistent, and and I think that's the main reason, or one of the main reasons, why the guys love him. So I would say that the only thing that has not surprised me, but a little bit, was I didn't know that Rod would be that good of a communicator. I guess with the players, because to, to, to me, when I, when he was playing, when I was there, anyways, he was pretty quiet, which was fine. <laughs> but as a head coach, you got to say a little bit every once in a while. So. He's done a great job, obviously. Then I don't have to say that. So he's on you, a discount there too. When you when you arrive in Carolina to to be a Carolina Hurricane, and you see Rod Brindamore, the first is the first thing you're thinking is I can't wait to see this guy with his shirt off or what? With I the, don't even think he had a shirt on when I first met him. I was like, I'd heard stories from like Notre Dame where he went to high school and all that, and so I'd heard stories about you know them having to lock him out of the, out of the gym because they're like, Rod, you can't work out for like eight hours a day, man. You got to let your body rest. And then they'd walk into the dorm and he'd be sitting there like curling his desk chair with like books on it and stuff just to keep doing like working out of some kind. So I'd heard stories. Um, yeah, he, he didn't talk to me when I first got there. He wasn't rude, but like, I don't think he said a word to me. The only things I remember, we'd be like out on the ice and like, let's say I get the puck, I come out from behind the net, I, you know, take a quick look to the middle. There's nobody in the middle, nobody on the on the boards. Okay, this is off the glass, chip it out, I'm out of here. And like a couple times, well, more than a couple times, you know, I, I'd like miss him in the middle, I wouldn't see him. And then, so let's say the puck goes down for icing him and I'd look and he's just staring at me. I'm like, oh shit, Rod was open and I missed him. And then, But then about half, actually, I finally started talking to him I forced the issue at rookie party. We got shit faced in LA and he had a, this uh, Rod had a golf tournament. He hosted a golf tournament for like ever in Campbell river, British Columbia, where he's from on Vancouver Island. And the only person he'd ever invited to the golf on his golf tournament was Harold Schneps. He never invited anybody else. So I heard about this and I'm like, uh, you know, I had a few drinks. I'm like, what the fuck, Rod? I'm like, why don't you invite anybody to your golf tournament? Like, you, you're too good That's for that. That's the first thing you say to him as a rookie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like, kind of laughed. He's like, but he looked at it. He's like, well, Campbell River is a small town. Nobody's going to want to come. So I'm just not going to invite anybody. And I'm like, I love golf tournaments, Rod. I'm like, I'll tell you what, whether you invite me or not this year, I'm coming. What, when's the date? He's like, it's in June. I'll be there. So it all worked out where... We ended up winning on a Monday in June 
well, I was looking forward to just getting after it in Carolina and, and enjoying what was going on. Well, the golf tournament was that weekend. He's like, hey, Mike, at the parade, he's like, hey, you having a good time? I'm like, I'm having a blast. I can't. He goes, hey, my golf tournament's this weekend. Um, <laughs> I'm like, fuck, really? He's like, on Saturday. I'm like, damn it. So I had to like leave on Friday, fly to Vancouver, spend the night. We had a great time or whatever in Campbell River. But yeah, he's a quiet dude, but Rod's the best. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, you froze up there for a second on uh, on the screen. I, I want to take your Mike Babcock temperature here before we uh, before we get rolling. I'm not looking for you to oh, shred him. Just wondering Christ. if you think he's – no, just I don't want a shredding of him. I want to know if you think yeah. with some of these coaching vacancies, if maybe you could see him sliding back into coaching in the NHL. Yeah. Um. God, as much as I'd like to see sit here and say there's no chance he ever coaches again, and as much as I would, I, I hope that's the case, I think there's going to be somebody that gives him another opportunity. <clears throat> I don't know who it's going to be. <clears throat> Sorry. I don't know who it's going to be. And I don't, when it, I'd have to take a look on when his contract's up. He might have one more year, maybe, where he's making six million bucks. So I don't know if it'll be like this. Is he still that. making six million a year? Oh, I think so. Yeah. He was what? He was in Toronto. Oh, yeah. I think he's like six six years times six million. I'm pretty sure he is. So this would be like the end of year five, I think. I'd have to look it up. I think it was While like seven years, on. seven something million. It was like a $50 million deal. Yeah. You know what? I think you're right. Might have so even been eight under, years. Yeah, he got a lot. So I think while that contract's going on, I, I think teams would be a little lenient because if you hire him, you got to pay him whatever fair market value. You have to pay him like four and a half or five. It seems like a lot of that six or seven, whatever he's making. But I think once that contract's up, I think he probably probably get something i need him to go back on tv because he looked awful on tv and made himself look like a donkey so if he he keeps opening his mouth and trying to defend himself he just he's just killing himself so the more he talks the less chance but i do think he'll probably get another chance so he does have one more year it says the maple leafs owe babcock 5.875 million dollars until his eight-year contract expires on june 30th 2023 eight year deal wow so that's what it was it was about six times eight jesus good for him yeah yeah i mean you played for you played for a lot of coaches who was who was your favorite i mean it's hard for me peter laviolette was kind of the first guy that i liked all other than babs scott arneal other than those two guys, I, I kind of liked them. Claude Noel, I didn't like him either. The rest of the guys, I liked them, to be honest. My favorite, I mean, it'd be hard for me to pick against Peter Laviolette. Peter was like the first NHL head coach that was like, hey, like, I'm going to play you. Like, get ready to play some minutes. So, obviously, I, I don't forget that. I mean, Larry Robinson was awesome, too. He I was, was just going to ask you career. about Larry Robinson. Larry was great. Like, he was... He was super nice. I mean, I, I first came up in Jersey, and I was in the, the minors all the time. I was constantly going back and forth. And in two years, it ended up working out where I think I played almost the exact same number of games up as down. I think it was like 50-some and 50-some. 
Larry was awesome because, I mean, I would have had to be a real dipshit to not take anything up. I mean, our coaching staff was Larry Robinson and Slava Fatisov. So, I mean, all you got to do is just shut your mouth and pay attention a little bit, and you should be able to pick a few things up. But Larry was great. He was so nice. He was great to me. I think he liked me a little bit just because I was kind of a defensive, bigger, taller guy or whatever. So, yeah, I got nothing but good things. I mean, how many Stanley Cup rings did Larry Robinson have? Ten? Uh, a lot. A lot. Yeah, what was that like for you, though? Were you a black ace there? Yeah. Yeah. So did you get yeah, a was, did you get a ring for that playoff for that Stanley Cup too? Oh no, they lost in the finals that year, didn't they? They lost in the finals to Ray Bork and the Avalanche. Yeah. So we had that was like the worst the black ace experience. Now you know I'll hear about like yeah it was a black ace in Nashville. Oh, I'm like oh, how did you like it? Oh man, I had a blast. Practice a little bit, then we go play golf. I'm like oh really? And then I everybody's black ace experience like recent ones. They're like oh it's great. I'm like, black ace. When I was a black ace in New Jersey, it was awful. It was two months of like hell. Lou Lamarillo was like, yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard the Willie Mitchell story from when they won in the Stanley Cup in 2000? No. Let me tell you this one quick. This is how. So I'm not there. I'm still in college. I come the next year. So it's the same thing, though. So the black aces with, with Lou were like, we were staying at the Turtlebrook Inn right across the street from the practice arena in West Orange, New Jersey. Turtlebrook Inn is a motel, basically, is what it is. There's there's no restaurant in there. There's no nothing. This is a very, very basic one and a half star, maybe two star hotel, which whatever. That's fine. Are you walking outside to go to your room? No, but in order to get out without Lou finding out, if you wanted to leave and let's say go have a beer you'd have to jump off your balcony. So I used to back my truck up, which would have a tonneau cover because every time you walked in and out of that door, there was only one way to get in without setting off a fire alarm. And the people that worked there all reported. So like, let's say I decided to go out and have a few beers and I get back at three in the morning. Well, I might as well just call Lou and let him know what I'm doing because they would get a direct report right from the people working the front uh, desk. So in order to like get out, I would back my truck up with the tonneau cover with the balcony and then I jump off the balcony onto the truck to get out like and then jump in the cab or whatever. It was such a joke. <laughs> and there and was, you like, want to no know something? Lou still knew you were doing that, I bet, somehow, oh, some way. 100%. All we these had, years like, later, what you learn about the NHL and Lou Lamorello, you knew he knew. Oh, he knew. He knew everything, that guy. And like, we'd practice and he'd be like, yeah, you guys are part of the team or whatever, you know, when the playoffs start. It's like, oh, okay, we're part of the team. It's like there'd be eight of us as black aces. We would practice before the Devils. Lou, it was a must. You had to, if you were a black ace, you had to be packed up and out of the arena, like gone, like an hour before the big team showed up. And then so we never saw the guys ever. So it's like part of the team. We had a curfew every single night. Our curfew was like at like 10 o'clock. Practices were hard. Like it was to the point, like we had no, there was no golf. There was no, I remember like guys were by the second round, we were having like fist fights on the ice in our black ace practices. Cause guys were so pissed off. And so like, this sucks. And the Willie Mitchell story, this is kind of, I heard this one when I showed up. So Willie does the same thing the year before they go and they, they win in the finals. They beat, uh, who they beat that year? 2000. They beat, Dallas? Dallas, no, maybe? Dallas. No. Dallas, right? Who did they beat in the finals that year? 
Anyways, it doesn't matter. Might have been Colorado. Could have been. Yeah, I don't remember. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, So the New Jersey Devils win the Stanley Cup. Willie Mitchell and the rest of the Black Aces have been there the entire time, doing exactly what I was saying, practicing their ass off for two months, not around the team, nothing. Been there for two months, grinding it out. In New Jersey, you had to be back in New Jersey on August 1st. So these guys now have about a six-week summer. Lou has them all in. Hey, guys, congratulations. You know, Lou's all excited, just won another cup. Hey, congratulations, guys. Really want to thank you for the hard work. You were a big part of this. Got a little gift for you. <laughs> Gives everybody a gift. They pull it out. and They're like, oh, hey, thanks. Thanks, Lou. You know, we got a little bag or whatever. They get outside the office or whatever, pull it out. Lou gives them an Eastern Conference Championship T-shirt each. <laughs> Not even a Stanley Cup. <laughs> oh, I heard that story the next year when I was a black ace, and I was crying laughing. Like, not even a Stanley Cup t-shirt. Like, East Eastern Conference title. He just picked them out of the closet or whatever. <laughs> Thanks well, a lot for your hard work. We'll see you in six weeks. Make sure you're ready to go. Eastern <laughs> Conference. You're going to be right back at the Turtlebrook Inn for six weeks before training camp doing two-a-days. Can't wait to see you. Wear your t-shirt. What did the guys say? Like, what, did, what was the reaction of, the, of all of those guys? I think they were almost like just sort of in disbelief. In front of Lou, it would have been no reaction. I think they were like, I don't think they were pissed. I think Willie might have told me the story or something. I think they were like a little bit disappointed. But then I think it was just like so absurd. Like an Eastern Conference Championship t-shirt, for Christ's sakes. I think it was like so absurd that I think a lot of them just laughed. They were like, this is amazing. Get me out of here. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what? I, I listen, man, I, I was in New Jersey and I, I was, if you're not playing, I wasn't a black ace, but I wasn't in the lineup and I can't remember who else wasn't in the lineup, but they would go and practice. The game guys would practice. We would sit, (laughs) we would sit in the training or not in the training room, but in the like lounge with our equipment on and then as soon as guys started to come in, we would go out and we would just step on the ice and we would go right into a bag skate for like 15 minutes. Mario Tremblay would bury us for 15 minutes straight, no oh. rest, no break, get off the ice and in the gym. Like no warm-up, no stretch, no nothing. Come on the ice. We got 15 minutes. Uh, we have to get the skate in. And you skate and you're... Bag you and then go on. So it's like you can't even warm up. So the legs are burning times 20. Oh, you know what I mean? Straight lactic acid. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, just straight into a bag. It was amazing, like, how he did some things. Like, and hey, at the end of the day, I respect the hell out of Lou Lamarillo. One of the, one of the highlights of my career personally was when we beat New Jersey in the second round. Lou was the head coach. He did his move where he comes down and coaches. So we beat him <laughs> in five. And so I'm shaking his hand in the lineup. And you know what? Lou said, hey, Mike, I'm really proud of you. And, and to that moment, you know, that meant a lot to me, for sure. But he did some things like, you know, like, like the August 1st camp, the six weeks camp, where he'd have basically everybody in the organization, except, you know, the guys that played the full year 
unless you were really young. The, the devils weren't there, but everybody else was. But he'd like, he'd have two trainers and it would be like, he'd have Vlad, or like uh, Pavel Burry's dad, Vladdy Burry. He was a trainer and Vladdy would like train six guys that were like, you know, a higher level prospects for lack of a better term. And then the rest of the guys are all with just the regular strength coach. So I was in like the group with like, you know, with me, Scott Gomez, Colin White, Pierre Dagenet, Sasha Gott. You know, so I'm training with the, you're on a completely different program. Then I come back to the Turtle Brook Inn and I got the rest, like these are the guys I'm going to be playing with in Albany, right? And they're like, you know, at first you're like, oh, how was your training? I go, hey, guys, you can get pissed at me if you want. But I'm like, you, you think I'm making these calls? Like, I'm just going wherever they're telling me to. I don't know what the fuck is going on here. And it was just, he'd do weird things like that. That It was, he was just, it, it was, some of the stuff makes a lot of sense to me, but uh, some of the other stuff, I'm like, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. I think the last time, Lula, the last Lou story for me, the last time Lula, it's got to be the last time Lula Amarillo was actually on the ice in his skates, like for a practice, running a practice. It was the second round that my first year there where they went to Colorado and lost in the finals. I think they had beat, I can't remember who they beat in the second round. They beat them on the roads. So there were a few days off. We're dying in the Turtle Brook. And we've now been there for a month getting skated every day, curfew every day. And I mean, no days off. Like literally, we'd never had a day off, nothing. So we get a day off the next day. Bobby Carpenter was running us. So we call Bobby and we're like, hey, Bobby, you know, we, we got a day off here. Like, do you mind the team's on the road? Like there's probably going to be a couple days off. Do you mind if we go up to Montreal and just, just for a couple days and we'll come back. We, we got lots of time before the next series or whatever. And Bobby literally, and he denies this to this day, but Bobby's like, yeah, hundred percent. You guys should go, go have a good time. Oh, cool. All right. So me and Pierre Dagenet and a couple of the French guys jump in the car. We drive up to Montreal, get after it, having a blast. One night, we think we're there for two. Next day, first thing in the morning, my, morning, my cell phone's blowing up. Bobby Carpenter answered the phone. It's like, Mike, where the hell are you? I go, what do you mean, where am I? I go, I'm, I'm in Montreal. I just talked to you yesterday. He goes, what? I go, what, what, what are you talking about? He's like, you're in Montreal? I'm like, yeah, I told you we were going. He's like, you guys, and I can't remember the time frame. It was something insane. He goes, Hey, you guys got to get back here. You guys got a meeting with Lou. And like, I, I forget, I think the a drive, a normal drive from New Jersey to Montreal is something like maybe five hours around there, something like that. Bobby's like, you guys got a meeting with Lou in three and a half. I'm like, are you fucking shitting me, Bobby? I'm like, you told us we could come here because you guys got to get back. I'm like, oh my God. So calling the rest of the guys, jump in. I'm like, Daj, I'll, it wasn't my car. I'm like, Pierre, I'm driving. I go, get in the passenger seat. We pick up a guy on the side of the highway, one of the other guys. I am driving legitimately 100 miles an hour. I mean, floored, breaking every law that I needed to, to just keep that thing moving. So we rush back. We're like five minutes late for the interview, or not interview, meeting. Lou's livid. Lou's like, where were you guys? I'm like, nobody else is saying anything. So I'm like, I'm like Lou, I'm like, well, we went up to Montreal, like you guys won the series with a couple of days off because we got practice in two hours. I'm like, holy Christ. So we get out there. Lou comes out. Lou's running practice. Lou comes, you know, walking out 
if you want to call it skating, I mean, Lou's like 70 years old at the time, 75 maybe. He comes out, he's got these old skates. Remember like the clear tuck holders? He wasn't that old because this is, what year is this, 2000? He's not 90. Well, I guess, how old is he's he? Not, he's so, not 90. How old is Lou He's got to be 80. He's 80. I think he's looked the same age. Maybe he wasn't 70. He was 60-something. And so he comes out on the ice, and I'm like, we're all standing there, like the eight of us. We're like, oh, my God. And practice, like, I don't even, we had pucks, but we didn't really use them. Like, he was having us, basically, it was fighting drills in practice is pretty much what it was. He had us standing there, jumping on the ice. He's like, jump and pull your knees up. I'm like, what? And so we'd be all be standing there, jumping, pulling our knees up, like, I don't know how somebody didn't blow their knee out. Like when your feet kid back on the ice, it was like the word. He was so mad at us. And then I think he knocked curfew to like nine. I mean, we're adults for Christ's sake. There has to be like a major disaster on the New Jersey Devils for any of us to get in the lineup. It's not like two defensemen have to get hurt. The only chance I'm seeing any chance of any ice time is like, I mean, four of the guys got to go. And so anyways, that'll be my last move. Like I said, though, I do respect it 100%. So are you are you shocked then that he let Trotz go? Or are you no. not surprised? No. I'm not surprised. Like not that I, I mean I don't see a whole lot of the Islanders and but I, I'm not surprised just because Lou, I mean, he's kind of got a history of of firing coaches, getting a new voice. Like he likes to do that. Like when things aren't going, I remember when he fired Larry Robinson. Larry Robinson had just won a Stanley Cup and gone to the finals, and we went through like a little bit of a funk if you want to call it that I was actually playing a little bit then and Larry was gone. He's like, thought we need a new voice. And then I forget the bread and Kevin Constantine. And that was the end of my time in New Jersey. But who was the um, guy that Lou fired? They were in first place at the time. And Lou stepped in at the end of the year when the team was in first place, because he didn't like what he was seeing. It started with an F. Robbie Fatora. Uh, yeah. Robbie Fatora. Fatorik, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's not scared to make moves. I don't know what goes. Yeah, I don't know. Everybody would, it was, it was amazing. I mean, he ran a, you can't argue with his program. You can't argue with his success. Maybe you don't understand everything, but I mean, it was just yeah. amazing. Like how, I mean, we go on the road in Albany on a bus trip down to Hershey. And, you know, the guys need something to eat here. We'd have to wear suits all the time. We'd have track suits, but we'd have to wear a full-blown suit. And then once you got on the bus, you could put a track suit on or a pair of shorts or whatever. We'd like stop on the side of the interstate in the middle of nowhere at two in the morning so the guys can get, you know, a water and, and whatever, a donut or whatever, whatever, just the gas station food. And we could not get off the bus until we put our full suit on. Like the head coach was horrified. No, no, no. You can't get off the bus with your suit on. Lou will find out. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? We are on the side of Highway 10 here, Interstate 10, in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody here. But everybody was so scared of him. I've heard that. I've heard that story before. I know, I know yeah. that story. Give us your uh, Stanley Cup predictions here. Who are we going to see advancing to the, sec- uh, to the third round? You got uh, Calgary, Edmonton. You already picked the Flames. I'll go with Calgary there. Colorado, St. Louis? Uh, Colorado. I'll go with Colorado. I'll take uh, I'll take the Canes over the Rangers. I know this is all favorites. 
and I'll take Tampa. I know there's already been a game, but still it's game one that anything can happen, but, and I'll take Tampa. I'll go with, I can't be a total Homer. I'll go with Tampa to go to the finals to play Colorado and I'll take Colorado to win. Man, Tampa, eh? Tampa back there again for three years in a row. No, I mean, until they lose a series, I can't pick against them. I guess I just did in the finals, but I mean, they, they just win games. Do we know exactly the injury to Braden Point? Have you guys heard? I haven't heard, no. No. Seems to be pretty hush-hush, don't you think? Yeah. Seems like he kind of went into the boards a little awkward, didn't he? Sort of. Yeah, and, and and it's like, you know, like I'm curious. He's one of the best hockey players in the world. You know, he's playoff performer. You know, what's the injury? Like, I I don't even want to know what the injury is because I think that's private. I think you want to keep that. Be- but is how are we week to week? Are we is he done for the playoffs? Seemed like I, I have no no idea. It seemed like he was pretty emotional there when he kind of came. I think he tried it a little bit, and then that was it. And I, I thought the guys were kind of like patting him or whatever. So if I'm guessing, I, I'm, this is purely a guess. I have no clue. But I think it's more, I think it's way more week to week than it is day to day would be my guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm just guessing. I don't know. And Dreisaitl, that's one series here too. I think Dreisaitl is a little bit banged up here too, which is, that's not good for the Oilers. They're going to need that guy. He's playing tonight, but he looked. I don't know if you guys saw the last couple games or whatever, but he was kind of. I mean, you still put the guy in the lineup if he, as long as it's not going to make it's not it's not going to get way worse just because of the way he handles the puck and put him on the power play or whatever. But if he's not, he he, he, he just wasn't moving around like he usually does. So that's not good for the Oilers either. They're going to need him. I think you need to document your travels this evening and throughout this series. I really do. I think you need to take short videos, keep track of what you're doing, the sea of red, let everybody know what's happening in Alberta because this is big. This is exciting stuff. No, you're, you're right. I've actually, I'm going to take, I mean, I went, like I said, I went with Red to the red lot there on Sunday and this was after Friday and Saturday. And then now Sunday, the game and Rhett and I, were crushing neutrals. Oh my God. And place went bananas. And so I'm going to take, I'm going to take game one. I mean, I love going to the games. It, it is fun, but like people are, which is great. People are all fired up and people still remember the, I mean, it is amazing to me. I mean, it was 18 years ago and we lost, but people are still all over the old. They're like, Oh, you were great here. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Played 18 games. Thank you. And uh, like I played 18 games, two assists. Thanks. Um, but people are all over. And it's like, I bet you the amount of shifts I watch when I go to a hockey game here, like actually watch the shift, like on the ice, not on a TV, I might watch three shifts. I mean, it is just relentless. Like, here's a beer. Let's get in one. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, holy fuck. I'm hammered. It's not even the first intermission yet. So I'm going to take this game off i'm going to watch it on tv obviously and then uh game two i'm going to be there and then i've had a couple guys email me about hey come with me let's go in for the games at edmonton so i i'll go up i will take i'll take some videos it's a good idea i should edmonton will be crazy is there a reason why you gotta document it go ahead Riv. explain to me why you're not growing your hair out 
good question. I think, I think that should be part of being in Calgary, knowing that you're going to be in the playoffs. The beard should start flying and the hair should start going. Well, yeah. Was the, was the hair there in 0304? Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. That's the only reason. I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, that's the only reason why anybody remembers me. They weren't remembering me for my stick handling or my ice time. It was definitely my hair. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'll blame the hair thing on, uh, I got to be honest until about halfway through the year, you know, I, I just, I was like, man, I don't know. I, you know, I, I thought Calgary wasn't going to be very good at the beginning of the year. If I would have known, I would have started it. Now it's a little bit too late. I can still grow it, but six weeks is a little, I'll, I'll look like a tennis ball. It, it won't be cool at all, but I could start the beard. That's a good point. Just pretend right. like I'm still playing back. In the yeah, absolutely. Days. We so. know <laughs> what does that really support, uh, yeah, support yeah. your boys, man. You're right. You're we right. know you didn't think Calgary was going to be very good circling back all the way to those November three texts, uh, about Johnny Goudreau. Um, well, listen, man, I was wrong. I, yeah, well, you know what? Here's to, here's to hoping you're still wrong. Cause I, 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 listen, I, I don't know who I'm taking in that series. I mean, I, I just want it to be an absolute, you know, nutty, nutty experience for, for both teams. You know, you got a lot of toughness in those lineups, a lot of toughness. Big time. So, I think it's going to go one of two ways. I think it's either going to be a game game seven, like very tight, or I think the Flames could blow them out, like four or five games. I think it's one of the two. Can't thank you enough for your time today, man. It was a hey, lot of anytime. fun. It's nice to be back on with you guys. Thank you very much. We'll, uh, it was a blast. We'll circle back again as Calgary advances. Yeah, please. Yeah. That would be awesome. I'll send a couple videos and I'm going to start drinking some waters right now. <laughs> Take care, Mike. Mike Commodore. <laughs> All right. See you guys. There's just one topic more that I want to have with you because I mentioned it at the start of the show and I find that we mention things and then we don't, that we're going to talk about something and then we don't. So okay. I just this want to is, make sure. This is new. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay, you know, on top of things because you said the that's other because day. of our listeners and them tweeting in. And giving a shit because you go squirrel on us and then oh, we both forget. Might be true. But yeah, it was actually more of a request from a from a listener. Um, Tage Thompson. We were talking a little bit before Tage Thompson. But I, I yep. just I I wanna know because I want to be one of the first guys to talk about it with you. Um okay. are they going to extend him this year, in your opinion, or are they going to wait a year and see if what he did this year is what we're going to get long-term. Well, everybody's going to have their opinion on this. I think it's, uh, I think it, there's no right answer to, to any opinion. Okay. Um, what I will do is I will give you mine. Tage Thompson this year, in the first mine. year of, of, of his uh, professional career, he's played 223 games. Okay. 223 games. So he's played, multiple seasons in the national hockey league this year at the age of 24, he has exploded. And I mean, exploded on the seams. He scored uh, a team high 38 goals and had a team high 68 points in 78 games. Um, he was a power play guy, first line power play guy. He was a, a player that killed penalties. Okay. I watched him kill penalties with Alex Tuck. So he played, um, and, and to add to that resume, he also played center, which is the hardest position um, 
I would, I would believe in the National Hockey League, okay, in the NHL. So when you look at him, he's a six foot seven. He's 220 pounds. He scored 38 goals, 68 points, 78 games. He was a power play guy, penalty kill guy. Um, he is at an incredible age of 24. And what I mean by incredible age, he's still, he's still uh, young, but he's not, uh, I, I wouldn't call him young anymore. I think he's moved to that next, that next phase in his career where he's that mid middle age player. I think we're going to get the best years of Tage Thompson in the next five years. Okay. In the next five years, six years, you'll get the best output from Tage Thompson. So I think we're going to get that in uh, moving on in the future. Um, do I want Tage Thompson to have the ability to sink or swim? I don't. My thought personally is I would like to, um, if you can come to an agreement where the player feels comfortable with the contract signing and you know, and the team feels comfortable, I would prefer to get Tage Thompson signed to a multiple year deal beyond next year, which the team pays him $1.4 million. I would like to be able to add on to that and take him away, buy out a few years of, of um, you know, his unrestricted free agency but uh, there's no rush. The team, Kevin Adams, is in, a, is in a position that there's no rush to sign Tage Thompson. That being said, I like the idea of getting players under contract because Tage Thompson's 24. He's got, I think, two more years of restricted free agency. And, and I would like to, I would like to sign him to maybe add on another five or six years onto his deal at a reasonable price before the season, before the season. Yes. How how much? Um, Well, this is, this is the key to it. Like we can allow Tage Thompson to continue to play, but right now Tage Thompson only has one year under his professional belt that he's actually played well. He's put himself in a different category, but here's the thing. You got to, you got to continue to do that. There's pressure on Tage Thompson where he has to continue to do that every year. There is pressure on Tage Thompson and an expectation that every year you have to continue to produce. That's why I'm not signing him this year. Well, here's the thing. If, if you allow Tage Thompson to play the next couple years under a restricted free agent contract, you're going to keep him and you're going to smother him and underpay him. But it allows him the opportunity to crush a couple more years. And if he has three years under his belt where he's a 30-goal scorer and a 70-point player, then when you go and get him at unrestricted free agency, you're going to have to pay him an ungodly amount of money. Well, you won't have to do that because you'll do that next year. You, instead of him going to arbitration, you're going to sign him to that long-term extension. I'm not signing him this year. Unless he's going to sign a four-year, $4 million per season deal, that's the, that's the well, most. And then you're on your, your, don't say I'm it. Talking, you don't have to say I'm it. That's why a, I, you don't. I'm talking a five and a half million dollar deal. Okay. He hasn't earned it yet. He hasn't earned it yet. Petey. 
He has he has the potential. I, look, he has the potential to do it again. I understand that, but he hasn't earned it yet one okay, season. But we're talking about. Are you paying him as a number one centerman, or are you paying him as a thirty-eight goal scorer? Because are you that convinced that he is in fact a number one centerman? I'm just saying he's getting the minutes and games that don't matter. You know, how was he on his face? 38 goals. He's got almost 70 points. And what happens if Tage Thompson next year goes and scores 36 goals and has 77 points? He's not going to be a, I want to sign him. I would rather sign him and give him comfort. I'm going to pay you a lot of money. I'm going to give you five and a half million dollars. Okay. For what you did this year, knowing that we feel very comfortable with what we've seen, that you will be able to to provide us a five and a half million dollar player. If you allow him to play out the year and he goes and scores another 35 goal season with 75 points, you have now propelled this kid past five and a half million. He's going to be a six and a half, seven million dollar guy. Well, what happens if you, I guess that's the risk that I'd be willing to take. Well, I I don't. Well, let me tell you why though. Let me, let me tell you why those risks forever. Unproven contracts worry me. I understand he had a great year. I'm not taking anything away from the player. I'm not saying it's a fluke. He has a wicked shot. He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. He has become unbelievable that he could have that type of a season. Got to see it one more time. Scores in the league. What are they paid? Six are, million plus. What are thirty-eight? Well, seven million. Seven million is a number. That's your Pacioretty. That's your Kane. That's yep. your. I mean, Skinner got way overpaid by two million. So that doesn't count. But he's he's all of your James Van Riemsdyke at seven. He's your Evander Kane at seven. He's your Pacioretty at seven. He's seven million. Yeah, and and for me, you know, when when you're talking, you know, a thirty-eight goal scorer, you look at the Pasternat, Debrinket, Stamkos, uh, Forsberg, Lindholm, Kachuk, Deshane's making eight million. Connor McDavid, uh, Kyle Connor. Kaprizov, these are all of the players that are ahead of Tage Thompson. Tage Thompson is right there. Now, yeah, granted, Alex, this deal would kick in when Oposo's deal expires because exactly. Yeah, so, I understand that. So my my thing is, my thing is, I want to put Tage Thompson and his representation, his agent, in a situation to say, Tage, regardless if you're a thirty goal scorer next year, we're going to pay. We're you're going to get five and a half million dollars for the next six years. You're going to be, you're going to make 30 some million, $34 million, $35 million signing this contract in for one year that you've actually, you've actually earned it. That's the reason and why what, I can't and sign And here's it. the thing. That's the, the reason thing. right there. I feel very confident. What did right Pasternak now? get after he exploded? He got six something. Like you're, you're, come on. Like we're not giving him this. We're not giving this kid like, you know. Dry sidle type money. Come on, no way. He's going to get. You know what? You like. I think by th- rolling the dice one more year, you're not giving. You're not going to end up paying him two two million bucks more. Because those guys that we mentioned, those were their next contracts that they got seven million per. It was Leon their titles. Leon Dry sidle. I'm talking Pacioretty, Van Riemsdyk, and Kane. Those were their next deal. Like Kane was on a five something. Pacioretty was on not quite seven. It was five uh, years ago. 
I well, like, well, it's not like the cap's going to be going up that that much with the you know the that was billion five dollars. years ago that those players signed those contracts. No, Skinner signed his two years ago, and that was right around the same time because Pacioretty and Skinner were like it was like two years ago. But it's not like the cap has shot up a ton okay, since. How many then, years so, has how many years has Jeff Skinner been on his nine million dollar deal? I I is it two? Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner never scored forty goals before, but he did score forty and got paid nine million dollars for it. The guy doesn't play penalty kill. He's not put in a defensive situation. This is back when he was playing for Carolina and the one year he played for Buffalo. Oh shit! That was his third year on the deal. That was his third year on the deal. What's that? Skinner. Okay, so he's played how many years of his of his deal? Three. Just finished his third. Okay, so I'm talking about Evander Kane was a year before that, and James Van Riemsdyk was two years before that. So we're talking four to five years ago. These guys were making seven million dollars. Well, Case well, right, Thompson, but the, right, but now, the, but the the influx in pay normally five goal season is going to be making seven and a half to eight million dollars. So why would I want to gamble? Because these are all gambles. I'm gambling to say, I think Tage Thompson can be a five and a half million dollar player. Okay. He's, he's more of a 65 point guy. He's more of a 25 to 33 goal guy. I'll pay you accordingly. Okay. I'm going to give you five and a half million dollars, but here's the thing. Could you see Tage Thompson next year having an off year and scoring 19 and having 45 points? I could see that because he's only played one year, one great year in the NHL. So I'm so what I'm saying is I'm going to pay him less money but give him really solid security for the next 6 years. I'm going to pay him 5 and a half million dollars for the next 6 years. Now, maybe Tage Thompson says, no, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to bet on myself that I go in in the next two years, I'm going to crush it. And if he crushes it, he's going to be up in the eight plus million dollar range. No, he's not. He's yes, not. He Patcherette, like, no, the, the, it, I don't think it shoots up that quickly. I just, I just don't. I, I, you know, like I'm looking at Patcherette. He's in the third year of his $7 million deal as well. But that's not what I was looking up. I wanted to look up. Um, what his percentage of the salary cap was. Um, and that is 8.6% of the current salary cap. So, you know, whatever that is then, that's what I'll pay him. I'm not going to go off salary. I'm going to go off percentage. If Patrick so let me good. ask you this. Who gave, who gave Ryan O'Reilly, who gave Ryan O'Reilly the deal? Buffalo. Okay. So he signed a $52.5 million deal for seven years. He makes $7.5 million. Okay. Yeah. Buffalo gave him that. Do you want to know what his, what his point totals were? That wasn't his second contract. He was coming off like a $6 million deal before that. So he was putting up those numbers before that. Tay just to earn that deal. He's not getting that right out of the way. If anything, he'll get a he'll get a two year six million dollar deal. Like because you got to think you're thinking 
Like you're thinking from the team. I'm thinking from the team. What's the agent going to do? If he's having two or three years like this, he's going to be like, don't yeah, sign. A lot a of these players deal. are being bypassed. This isn't Tage's second deal. How many deals is Tage Thompson? Well, this is kind of, yeah, this is kind of like that. It's like his fourth, deal. Uh, third deal. Third deal. His next deal is going to be his fourth deal. Or you know what I'm saying? Like, Tapes Thompson's put himself in a position where he's gotten an opportunity. He's center. He's a power play guy. He's a penalty kill guy. He's the number one center on the team. He scored 38 goals, 68 points. Ryan O'Reilly. went off an entry-level deal, then had like a two- or three-year deal at 1.6 or something. Then he signed a seven- or an eight-year deal at 4.5. Then he signed the four-year, $7 million deal with, with Vegas. And that was 10 years ago. The deal? That he signed with Vegas was three years ago, three seasons. Okay, but ago. I'm talking about the year, the the deal before that. Yeah, around there. Yeah, yes. Ryan O'Reilly, when he came here to sign the deal, his best year in the National Hockey League was 28 goals and 68 points. Well, Tage Thompson had 38 goals and 68 points. And Tage Thompson's on his set on his second contract. I don't think he's going to go from his second contract to a. Uh, uh, an eight million dollar contract if you let him play out one more year, or even let him go to arbitration and then well, one he's going to play one more year at one point four. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say to you right now is, I'd like to sign him for a five and a half million dollar deal for six years to add on. But if you allow Tage Thompson to go and score thirty five to forty goals again and have seventy five points. Now you're sitting there. No, I don't want another you- Jeff Skinner situation. I want to see that he can do it. Jeff Skinner is Jeff Skinner's situation was the biggest debacle signing in in the National Hockey League in a very long time. That was that was a, a ball drop in the biggest way. Because I don't well, care if he scores fifty, hindsight. he's still not worth nine million dollars. Because the intangibles that go now. along with a nine million dollar player, nine million dollars player is is a is a is a kachuk. Not only is he producing points, he's got physicality, he's, you know, killing penalties, he's, you know, the rat of the league. Like, I mean, there's, there's a whole thing that goes along with a $9 million player. That's what I'm, anyway. All right. Well, I argue about this all day with Dave Thompson. I would sign him now. Do they have the money. It's amazing because I would, I would not. want to get him under contract. I would want to get him under contract for maybe a little bit less than if he were to hit. On another year, another great year. Games now that you're matter. Gonna- I, you need to see it in games that matter. I'm, I'm going to uh, um, go back to Elliot Friedman. Everything's great, but when the games don't matter, that's one thing. Yeah. You know, got to check his face-off stats. Got to check how he is. I want to watch him in games that matter. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76 and you can find us as you already know on apple spotify and youtube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast thanks for tuning in don't forget to spread the word